off top. Running back pay is a problem. And I got the solution. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, Charlie. I know it sounds kind of like a fake tease, but I actually spent some time thinking about this, and I think I honestly have a perfect solution for the issue with running back. So for those who don't know, it's been ongoing for several years now, probably 10 plus years. The game moves away from running backs uh, being as important. It's easier to replace running backs. They get wear and tear. So what ends up happening is running backs don't get big contracts. It's in the news a lot now because of Saquon, Josh Jacobs. We saw it with um, Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, which their value is not fully uh, reached or paid because of the market for running backs. You can see that the salaries have climbed for every position in all of football, except for running backs. They are moving at a slower pace, and I think even the franchise number might be lower. It's gone down since yeah, 2015. Which is absurd, <laughs> considering the way the cap has grown. So how do you solve this problem, you ask? You didn't ask that, but I know you were thinking it. I am. All right. So there's a pool of money that I don't think many people know about called the performance-based pay pool. Right? I had never heard of this yeah. until 20 minutes ago. Yeah. So performance-based pay pool is a lump sum of money that the league has set aside to compensate players who have outperformed their contract. And what tends to happen is it's a player who's a late round draft pick or something. It's a bunch of players who are late round draft picks who ends up playing a lot of downs and they end up getting big checks. I was that guy when I played for the Broncos. I was a third round pick of rookie. I ended up playing so much that my performance-based pay was higher than my actual salary. So I got one check that was higher than the whole salary I had all year. That happens for a few players every year. This year was Marcus Epps, who ended up making more money from performance-based pay than he did for his salary because he was a late-round pick who played a lot of snaps. So obviously, since I benefited from it and lots of players like that deserve to benefit from it, my argument is not that we should take that away from them, but that pool is $336 million dollars. In 2019, it was $230 million. It's continuing to grow. I think that they should set aside a portion of it that is designated for running backs, or at least there should be some benchmarks that you have to reach over the course of a couple of years, maybe even three years. If you meet these performance benchmarks and these playtime benchmarks, then you unlock this performance base pay bonus that is only play payable to running backs who've reached these benchmarks. I think that works, and I don't think it impacts those guys who get those big sums because I st still think they deserve it. But everybody gets this money. Mm -hmm. And I remember being on the Broncos and seeing the performance-based pay chart. I was near the top, got the big check. Then the guys who make a lot of money, the equation is set up so guys who make a lot of money, they're supposed to play a lot. They get small checks. And so I think that those guys might be hurt by it, but they aren't really hurt by it. When I was playing with Champ, he was making $60 million or he had a contract for $60 million and he played every snap all year and his performance-based paycheck was like 10 grand. He's not going to miss it. That's what makes up most of this. So I think this works for a couple of reasons. One, because the, the running backs will get compensated for their actual value while they're delivering it. Two, it does not impact the cap of the team's. And I think that's a big issue right yes. now ding, is, ding, the, ding. is the teams are worried about how it's going to impact their cap if they commit so much money to running back. It's a performance based pay pool that comes in afterwards that has nothing to do with how the team can plan. 
And it's not going to require reopening the CBA and arguing for more money. It's also not going to require you to make some structural change to how the league works now, because I think most other solutions, one of the other solutions that I kind of bounced around in my mind was removing the barriers uh, between positions on offense when you're determining franchise tag. So you have skill player for the franchise tag, which then ends up being average of the top five wide receivers, most likely, which lifts the franchise tag for running backs from 10 million to 20 million. So then in that case, if you're going to franchise them, then they're going to get a big chunk of, uh, of money or you're going to be discouraged from franchising them. And then those players actually get to hit free agency. I'm just imagining that that artificially depressing the quarterback's franchise tag too, and you're you're uh, oh, no, no, fran- no, 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 franchising no. a QB for twenty million dollars. Q- QBs QBs aren't skill Have, players. It's it's uh, no skill in that position. No, 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 no. I just for for my definition, okay. it's all right. Weapons. How okay. about that? Offensive we'll call it weapons, weapons. Yep. because I don't want to include linemen and I don't want to include quarterbacks. I think it's offensive weapons. Okay, because I think what the way that works is it. It forces you to value someone like Christian McCaffrey. Right. And it forces you to value someone like Saquon Barkley more commiserate with what their value actually is. I actually I like this solution, too, because it, it pays this. If that had happened for McCaffrey or Derrick Henry and they had their two years where they were making 20 million dollars, that would be more than the <laughs> yeah. guaranteed money that they earn from their extensions, which run in line with the guaranteed money given by the franchise tech. I like the solution, too, and I like it because it's simple. But the my problem with that solution is I think what ends up happening is most of the running backs don't reach that value. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's get, for the stars. That's yeah. for Saquon and Josh Jacobs and, and so and so. And they don't get paid. So I think this addresses because while we focus on guys like Saquon, I think one of the important things to know about this is it's the same for all the other running backs, too. And you could argue that it's even worse because they are out of the league after three years or four years. They don't reach the pension. They take all the wear and tear and they never get the big time contract. So I think this helps them because if just so happen a, a guy becomes your bell cow back. Right. And it's for two years or three years. And he was a, a six round draft pick. Then he gets a big chunk of money that I, I mean, I haven't done the math or equations on how it would work out. But like I'm imagining that you could get in a situation where at the end of last season, uh, Christian McCaffrey, I guess he was injured for part of that season. This yeah. is this is where the problems arise yeah. is with injuries and stuff. But I think for guys, yeah, there it's over the course of maybe you measure this over the course of several seasons if you reach these certain benchmarks but like i would love to see a situation where at the end of last season saquon barkley gets a 10 million dollar check 10 million okay i, I mean i'm thinking well, I'm just wondering because like that's that is not commensurate with the way that that player pool works now right there's right, no one getting all. a 10 million dollar check no no i pool. think most no one even gets over a million yeah but you it's huge to to guys like me and, yeah of course. who are late round picks i think this is marcus like, was a six marcus yeah, F was six a six round pick. pick it's huge to to us but so this is like like the Orlandis Gary rule where it's like yeah. someone like that who puts up 1500 yards and is being paid like was he a seventh round picker and undrafted player when he was getting paid but he was in that Shanahan scheme and he was I don't know I'm sure he had 300 carries that season and was basically being paid far under the value he produced on the field right and then never actually gets to cash in on that right. value and I demand that the rules named after me obviously okay I mean, it's the fox rule the, um the the neat clause so and you don't want to 
you don't want to workshop names with me? No, no. I'm just thinking about why this works too. Because okay. the thing that I find fascinating about this and why I think it could really work is because it's not coming out of the team salary cap. Right now, there's an actual tension because we talked about this on Monday about the Saquon thing. And we're both pro running backs are cool. It would suck to have a league without running backs. And then I went home and I was talking to uh, another football fan. And they're like, okay, um, now imagine you root for a competent franchise, not the commanders. Um, and you had a you had a competent team that was trying to win football games, and they were like, "All right, we're going to pay Saquon Barkley sixteen million dollars a year." What would your reaction be? And my answer would be like, my answer was that, <laughs> because it's yeah. like if you're because yeah. if you're trying to be a Super Bowl winning football team, it doesn't make sense. As we go more and more towards seven on seven football, the value of that like doesn't seem to add up, particularly when you find guys like, okay, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl with, with Isaiah Pacheco being their starting running back and Jarek McKinnon off the scrap heap. And those guys produced at a level that did not hurt their team winning football because of how that team is built. I mean, I think, yeah, that's that's fair. Who's the, I was trying to think, I guess, uh, Todd Gurley, we talked about last time. I'm trying to think of the last team that's made a deep run based on an offense based on a running back. And I guess every time the 49ers make a run, but the problem with using them as an example is until recently, it's never been right. the same guy or anybody worthwhile, which is why we end up in this situation. And yeah, I, that's the toughest thing is because of the rookie wage scale, the running backs. Um, salaries are more suppressed during the time when they're most valuable. For most players, your prime is going to come around four or five years in the league. For them, their prime is the day they walk in and they are declining assets from then on. And in order to figure out how you can make them, how you can uh, compensate them fairly for the prime that they're contributing to their team, while also not breaking the rookie salary structure, the only way I can think of doing it is this and it's already a pool that exists and the money is such that I think the way that it's growing or it seems to have grown over the last few years is that you can still siphon off some money for particular players in certain situations without devaluing it too much for the guys who who still deserve it. Yeah, like I like I mentioned, I was that guy. I do not want to be in a situation where there's a guy who was a six round pick ends up starting all season and then he gets a $20,000 check at the end of the year because Saquon Barkley took yeah. it all. Um, I guess I would ask too, it's like, so like the, I'm trying to think of other solutions. It's like all the good running backs hold out yeah. at once. This yeah. is, this is the Foxworth solution of like, how do you get something to change? You withhold labor. Um, that's what you have as a special athlete. Let's just say Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. I'm sure I'm forgetting other great running backs. We get the point. They all said, we're not going to play the 2023 season. Is the NFL product noticeably worse? No. That's the sad thing about it is I think... I think it's probably uh, not noticeably worse, but I do think that it is, it puts the NFL, it trends the NFL in the bad direction. Because I do think that part of what makes anything interesting, exciting is like diversity mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. 
the running back is a part of the game that I think is fun because it offers a different way to look at it. That's part of the problem with, uh, and I guess some people would argue that baseball is better now, but that was part of the problem with baseball. Is I mean, it's faster now at least, and the, they're the athletes. Oh, the pitch clock is different than the strikeouts yeah. and launch. So I mean, that's my point. Is that's part of the reason why baseball yeah. is less interesting is because yeah. it's like there's only two results that you're likely to see and football reducing those results, I think makes things a little bit less interesting. So I think it's bad for the game in the long run, but I don't think that these players, if they put together some sort of rogue running backs only union, I'm not sure that they have the leverage to pull it off because the point of holding out or withholding your services is that it hurts your employer. If all the employers are equally hurt, then no one is actually hurt. Dude, I'm just imagining the the running back union watching week one when everything looks like the Big 12. And it's like 55-55 and we're like, this is awesome. Scott yeah. Hansen's like, let's cut into uh, Chiefs Dolphins. Oh, oh my God, another Tyreek Hill 75-yard bomb. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It would backfire on them. But I still don't think that, yeah, I, I still think the problem needs to be solved. Yeah. And this helps for for everybody i think like this yeah. is the solution that should work so well, it, who do i need to send this to i'm asking you like you know i know i'm gonna package this up and send it over walk it down the street i have to a, the i have i have a real solution okay hold up i thought i gave the real solution but this one is this one would work why would my solution work it would but okay. this one would work better this someone be needs to get their hands on the blackmail powerpoint <laughs> you get your hands on the blackmail PowerPoint. You walk into the league meetings. Saquon Barkley presses play and says, pay me my motherfucking money. I can't uh, get enough of blackmail PowerPoints. Um, I guess th- so is th- this just popped into my head. I'm assuming that this is something that the NFL would want to solve also, but I'm not sure that they care. I don't think they do care because that's what I thought also because it's like there's um a nostalgia to position too. It's like, you think about great running backs, one, outside of maybe middle linebacker, it might be the most storied warrior position in the, I can't, I'm about to slip into Levitard again, in the, it's a combat sport, not a contact sport, um, but you, it's like the storied position, it's, you know, it's Walter Payton, it's Earl Campbell, you see the, the aesthetic of Eric Dickerson with the uh, cowboy collar and the goggles, and you're like, that position is f***ing cool. Yeah, that is. But I don't think, I don't, I don't think the league cares about any running backs. <sighs> Yeah, I guess that's it, is that they aren't incentivized to change this. And the the incentive to get this done would have to come from the union, mm-hmm. which is why the idea of proposing this, it has to be something that's painless for the league that wouldn't cost them any more money and they'd be okay with. And I think that's why my solution works and your threatening solution does not work. But I, it might work. Um, <laughs> but it worked for the Snyder. tough thing. And this is, this is, uh, my experiences as president union kind of comes in here is this is one of the most challenging things about leading a union, any union, and particularly this union is when there is such disparate positions Mm -hmm. on a union and groups and factions. And the hard thing is when you're trying to enact some sort of change, it kind of has to be good for more people than it is fewer people. And there's not very many running backs. So when you are in, and this is how you end up in a situation like this, is when you are in CBA negotiations, what is good for the players that are in the room is different than the players that are uh, t- 
to come 10 years from now. What right. is good for superstars is not always good for the rank and file. And it's difficult to galvanize people around, not only galvanize them around this, but get a group of, of men to sacrifice for something that's not going to benefit them. There's a lot there. First of all, what's good for the superstars of professional sports is largely not always good for the like middle class of professional sports. And that that's given. But the interesting thing about this is, do you think there's a superstar running back in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, as a superstar is, is hard to define. But I, like I was, not really. It doesn't. They don't move the needle the way that like a Marshall Falk or like going back to like Ladanian Tomlinson. So how do you like, define a superstar? You move the needle as far as like impact on the field, or superstar move the needle as far as like viewership and how much people care? Because I, I don't think, think I, think I think both. Like I don't think there's a marquee running back in the NFL now, and like maybe Bijan Robinson will change that, and he'll rush for 2,100 yards this year, and we'll all be like, "Oh my god!" But like we had Derrick Henry rush for 2,000 yards and take over, and no one was like, "That guy is like a superstar who's going to win you 14 games and like take you." You're. I think you are way off here. I don't because think there's like, been a superstar running back. I mean, like Derrick Henry is the example I would point to as a superstar running back. Oh, they no, t- he is he is great. But I so guess they've been a competitive team. And without a roster that anybody yeah. thought was going to be competitive, he turned Ryan Tannehill into something because it was all based on the fact that that play action was opened up in part. I know you would say that play action is not directly connected to effectiveness on the running game, but you try to look at. No, no, Derek, Derek Henry's like one of one with that, but it's like, it, it, I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's uh less, less of a commercially successful running back. Who's great. I guess you got to have both. Yeah. The, The centerpiece of your offense. And this is like to use a basketball thing is like, you think about there's, a guy on a team that you can build a championship contender around. And I guess that's where you have a hard time is because running in general is inefficient relative to throwing the ball. It's the Adrian Peterson paradox. It's like if you build your team around Adrian Peterson, even if he was the best player at his position in the NFL comparative to other positions, it was still impossible to win with him. Or even if you think he's the best player at all of football, it's hard to win when the the focal point of your offense is a play that's not as efficient as it could be 4.8 yards in a cloud of dust yeah that wasn't adrian peterson he's one of the like my thing in football was being fast he was one of the few people that i remember trying to catch from behind and had no hope and he's huge would but like a little bit you'd rather be trying to catch him from behind than trying to uh approach him head on no 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 i'm i I mean i get it. it it hurts but it's about pride you know, when it's the one thing that you do, it's like I'm 175 pounds cornerback. One thing you're not going to do is get away from me. So when you're like, 230. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that hurt my pride more than uh, I remember LaDainian Tomlinson. I had yeah. a, I was playing nickel and I had him in the hole and I stepped into the hole. It's a small hole. Yeah. I, I, and he put a move on me that was so vicious that I don't even think I touched him. And that was really embarrassing. But not as embarrassing, or you know, uh, not you are paid to to tackle in the hole. Well, you're paid to yeah, do whatever. When when you're a third round pick, you're paid to do whatever they ask you to do. That's and fair. when you're a nickel, you I played safety a couple of times. When you are in that position, you need to make that tackle, and that was embarrassing because I didn't even touch him, and like he didn't try to run me over. I could if he tried to run me over, like man, it's a big man. Look yeah. at him, he. Yeah, he gave me the athleticism that I wasn't ready for. I still remember that. that how sucked. did so? Wait, how can you walk us through Adrian Peterson this play? 
Uh, sure. So like this would happen from time to time. I'd be the backside corner mm-hmm. and there'd be a, a play that breaks away on the opposite side of the field. So, all right, get on your horse and you ride out, you get your angle and you go get them and you tackle them just before they get in the end zone. Sure. He was caught up in whatever and then broke free. And I saw it. We were in Minnesota and I was like, all right, time to go do my thing. Go catch him. Or something Run him down, that, yeah, I'm out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. Something that I've done a bunch of times in my career, college, everything like that. There's very few people that are on the field that are actually faster than me. Sure. I had the angle. And I ran as fast as I could, as hard as I could. And normally you start to see the gap closing. It was not getting any smaller. The gap was just stretching. And I was like, no, this is a running back. This is impossible. This is, this is not happening. And then he just ran into the end zone. And I was probably like 10 yards away at the end. Hey, at least depressing. you're out of the frame. Yeah, it didn't matter, though, because it, it wasn't embarrassing because embarrassing implies other people knew it. But it hurt my pride. That was that in, in a name that you don't know. The only two times I felt like there's three times that I remember feeling like you're not that fast. It was that time. And there was once on special teams my rookie year, I was playing uh, on the punt return team and Bethel Johnson. Oh, I know Bethel Johnson. Yeah. Bethel Johnson was uh, the gunner on punt team and he started running. And I was like, all right, this is the same way I did it all the time. And in college, we had a record-breaking punt returner in part because we were good at that position. Sure. And like you cut them off and then you go catch them at the point and block them. I couldn't catch them. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm so happy he couldn't catch that well because he's he was uncoverable. Would have been Tyreek Hill. Oh, it was that time. It was the uh, Adrian Peterson time. And the other time was Torrey Smith. Yeah, but it was after I. I the mean, PI guy. Yeah, I could run with Tory Smith. He's fast as hell. He's probably faster yeah. than me, but like I could run with him. I tore my ACL. I came back and was like, "Oh yeah, it's not the same." Yeah, yeah. This is this is not the same. Not the same it was turnover. In, it was in practice too, so it wasn't even like top speed Tory. It was practice Tory, and I was and I was just trying to get it. The quad strength wasn't there anymore, and yeah. And then it was time to hey. go to business school. And now you're sitting in a chair across from me. And a beautiful tie-dye t-shirt. Hey, shout out to the Women's World Cup. Yeah. You excited for that? Yeah. I'm hyped for it. Yeah. We'll Love. talk about it I after it happens because yeah. we're not going to pretend like we're just Women's World Cup fanatics and we know all the things. But I'm excited about a few of the, a few of the players and pulling off that three-peat. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I do want to talk about a team, I guess a former teammate that is less uh, admirable. You know what I'm talking about. Draymond and Jordan Poole. Okay. Well, which one's less admirable? Yeah, I, I guess their their union. I don't know. I was trying to get a transition. It was messy. It didn't work. Whatever. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. I, I guess the question is for you, which one? I know the answer. Which one of those guys is more admirable to you? Oh, Draymond. Yes. How did well, that happen so fast? Because we were all like, Draymond shouldn't punch your teammates like that. And now it feels like everyone's on Team Draymond. Yeah. I mean, well, we watched the season play out and we saw how annoying Jordan Poole is and everyone knows someone who's that annoying and Draymond is Draymond and the more that comes out I mean we should explain exactly what happened so in a 24-hour period Draymond Green uh got got by a fake Twitter account that um was aggregating quotes about about him and Jordan Poole and said that Kevin Garnett said that it would be like a senior picking on a freshman he went at Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was like, dude, you got got by a fake, fake account and tagged Elon Musk. Uh, Draymond went on his podcast, chirped about, uh, about, uh, Jordan Poole and how everything led to the punch and it wasn't just a in right. the moment type of thing. Jordan Poole's dad responded to that tweet and basically said that he owed him an apology and he could see him whenever Draymond responded to Jordan Poole's dad. Um, and basically was like, dude, I could have, you could have seen me all year. We were in the arena together every single game. Oh, and then Draymond also said that he still doesn't like Chris Paul, which is hilarious. Yeah. That we'll get to that. In the a cone. Second. And I think, I think Jordan Poole had like a, a story, Instagram story post that was just like, stop talking about me essentially. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it all seems stupid. And I, I'm not a fan of like, the Twitter, the real Twitter beefs. If you really have a problem with somebody, like don't take it to the internet. Like I, I'm with it. If we're we're debating somewhere, arguing with a stranger, but people that are actually in your life, don't take it to the internet. Especially if you're somebody daddy. I was literally like, stop being an embarrassing dad, yeah. Anthony Poole. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's you're bad. making it worse for Jordan Poole, and it's already not great. We saw the pictures of him in the Wizards uniform. That is a Sad, sad man. Yeah, he's your he's uh the leader of your Washington Wizards now. Him and Coos. How you feel about that? <laughs> All right. So uh Draymond. Uh he had a quote recently where he said that um it's public that I don't like Chris Paul. Like I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember yeah. exactly what it was, but it's public that I don't like Chris Paul, and just because we're teammates don't mean that everything is gonna be okay. Draymond. They paid you, man. Relax. <laughs> I was about to say, did you think he was going to, I thought he was going to be, uh, sort of, uh, less. Yeah. New, less of this now that he got paid. I mean, not only did they pay him, they shipped out Jordan Poole, the one person who it seemed like Kevin Durant. He ran him out of town. All the, and the, they, they paid him more and for longer than we thought he was going to get. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is he wasn't acting. 
This is who he no. is. This is who he is. It wasn't just None like... None of him. this was about him being upset about his contract. Yeah. This is just who he is. He was not acting out. This is who he is. You get what you get with Draymond Green, which I guess you can appreciate. Um, do you think that him and Chris Paul are going to coexist, or at some point it's going to be a problem? At some point it'll be a problem, but I also think they're going to co- coexist fine. Um, really? Yeah. Okay, because Chris Paul strikes me as someone who also seems to see he's different than Draymond whereas Draymond strikes you as someone who does and says whatever he wants or almost whatever he wants all the time uh Chris Paul seems a lot more calculated but he also seems like someone who can lose a little bit of control in a competitive rage so that's the thing that's concerning to me is Draymond's not going to change and Chris Paul's never been in a situation where anybody can talk to him like anything other than future Hall of Famer Chris Paul. So the thing that I always think of with stuff like this is one, Draymond, I don't think this is true about every athlete. He actually only cares about winning, probably winning and money. He is a true, like, I will do anything to help the team win type of player. Um, Chris Paul is one of the smartest basketball players in history. Draymond Green is one of the smartest basketball players in history. They're going to make it easy on themselves to figure out how to make this work on the court and that will assuage a lot of the issues also like we saw this we a couple years ago Rajon Rondo was slapping the floor with the dislocated elbow calling LeBron a bitch and then posing with people wearing t-shirts that said LeBron's a bitch and pointing at it laughing <laughs> like these pictures exist then they won a championship together now they're coaching an AAU team together and the reason that worked even though neither one of them were jump shooters was because they both saw the game at such an advanced level they could make it easier for one another and like that first of all no one is more um truculent than Rajan Rondo Draymond's not I don't know. I actually don't know. And so if you can, if, if Rondo can do it, like Draymond and the cone can get along. Uh, don't call that man the cone. I will not stand for this. He's not that bad on defense. He was an all-time great defender before he got old, but now he's the cone. Yeah, you and Pat Bev with this nonsense about the cone. Speaking of Pat Bev, he's involved in this because I think the, the quotes that um, yeah. Draymond had was on Pat Bev's uh, podcast. All right, we solved all the world's problems. Well, actually, we solved the running backs problems and we also set Draymond and Chris Paul up to be best buds. That's right. And there's still lots of problems in D.C. because our basketball team is not very talented in our football team. Oh, when this airs, we should have an official new owner of the Washington Commanders, right? Let's go Josh Harris. Yeah, I don't know. Let's not root for him. I mean, let's go Sam Howell. Okay. And Chase Young. Yeah, yeah. let's root for the players. Root for the players. Because, I mean, mean, he still owns a team. It's okay. It's it's better than uh, than Danny S. Oh, before we go, I do want to point out, you got a little hive growing here. You guys. This is is right. (laughs) I'm so uncomfortable. There's, there's, every episode, there's a couple people who remark on how attractive you are. I hate it. Why? Why? I, I don't. It's nothing. I hate, hate you. You talking about it? Now. Oh yeah. This. Let's lean into this. So somebody called you a vanilla snack. That's right. <laughs> a, a little, little vanilla t- wafer. Vanilla <laughs> <little> snack. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. So this got a new. Right nickname. now I'm a pink starburst. <laughs> so I'm just sitting this. Let's get comfy. 
I will not be posting shirtless thirst traps with the chain like Dominique. Why not? Get into it. Look at a couple buttons. Oh, you don't have no buttons. You got to show us. I had been letting the taco meat rage, but (laughs) the t-shirt was calling me. Let let the meat out. I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's not what I meant, but hey, do that too. You're not married yet. It's true. (laughs) Anyway, I appreciate you doing this with me. Thank you to everyone who had to endure those last most uncomfortable minutes. Um, Appreciate you, Sarah Abbott, Adi Khan, Christina Buswell, and Podville. Nice haircut. Thanks. Delete the last five minutes from the pod. Leave it up. Please don't. So cute. I hate it. Ladies love you. The guys be hating on you. That's how this I know. Dominic discovered I know that I hate compliments that's how, today. That's how I know you're really handsome. Is because it's not only people saying you're cute. It's guys who's like, man, he ain't that handsome. Nobody says that about people who aren't cute. They just let it slide. I uh yeah, never have got I've never gotten the uh, urge to go behind a keyboard and be like <laughs> that that dude's I hate him. I hate his face. <laughs> you got a great face. You got the beard nice and I no up. one is listening anymore nah, it doesn't matter it's not for them it's for me so how long did it take you to get a perfect because that's the perfect height beard length mm. I went on YouTube and had a beard trimming tutorial <laughs> what a nerd <laughs> alright this isn't fun anymore bye this is the Dominique Foxworth show